0: Hi, this is Alistair Stewart. And this is Brock Wilbur. And you're listening to Caring Into the Void, the podcast where we get together, tell each other about a weird or dark story we've heard, and then try and find the silver lining, or flip it into something that, while possibly not positive, will at least be productive.
1: Alistair, how are you today?
0: I'm doing very well today. Brock, how are you? How's the week gone?
1: My week has gone well, uh... (laughs) As the editor of a Metro's uh, cultural newspaper magazine, one of the reasons I took the job and one of the things that becomes both uh, the pro and the nadir of it is that you are invited to everything. And I like saying no to nothing. Uh, (laughs) I I, I just moved here before taking the job. I was like, I'm not super familiar with the city. It seems amazing. What I'm going to do is I'm going to use this as a prompt to go see every art gallery opening, every restaurant. Uh, And then COVID hit three months later. So, like, I've missed out on some of that. Uh So I'm finally hitting the stretch where I'm getting to say yes to the dress on everything. And uh, over the weekend here, this last weekend, I saw a children's musical adaptation of Pete the Cat. Uh, I went to a giant uh, DJ dance night uh, with Girl Talk. Uh, And then the next morning, very, very early, went to a performance art piece uh, about surviving the Holocaust. Wow. I also took my dog to dog training and went to the opening uh, of a Vietnamese restaurant. And this is all within like 48 hours. And like the cultural whiplash that can occur here, it, it fits exactly with it. Bipolar game, recognized bipolar game, but also, like, I I really set myself up to just constantly live that way. I'm like, I don't know. I saw a a cat be oddly sexual in front of a room of seven-year-olds, and I think some of them, like, there's the the normal amount of sexual innuendo and homoerotic uh, subtext that you would expect from a show about a rock and roll cat um, uh, into still being drenched in sweat from a dance party and being like, it is now time to really remember the crimes of Adolf Hitler. I was just like, I I don't know if I'm doing any of these things right. I really have a, I've I've started having to like sit down and be like, I need to write my full coverage of that thing before I go into the next thing, because the two shan't bleed into each other. It'll just be like, sometimes I'm like, should I just write up instead of the events individually, what they were like to experience over a weekend? And like, no, that sounds like the rantings of a lunatic. Let's never do it. And it's kind of disrespectful to all involved. So, uh anyway, that's that's culminated in uh today where the street in front of my house as happens once for 3 months uh has been shut down to serve as um a marathon. Uh and so in looking out the window now, I can just see I can see all these people running and as And as a bigger guy, and maybe as an American, (laughs) I've never understood running. It just, it doesn't make sense to me every time. Once per year, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to get really into running. I'm going to do that cardio thing. And about two weeks in, I'm like... Well, all the cartilage in my knees is gone. I, I can't breathe most of the time. Was this worth it? I think I gained weight somehow. This is not it, 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 every time my feet touch the ground, it hurts more. Um, I, so, watch watching thousands of people just uh, running past us as we uh, record a podcast about death and nothingness. Um, I don't know. Feels good. This is this is my revenge. <laughs> How are you this week? What are you up to? I'm good.
0: I'm just. I'm still still reeling from the image of you going full Werner Herzog, looking at a Marathon <laughs> goodbye. Like, goodbye, this <laughs> Favel, and your march towards death. <laughs> I love Werner. Uh, I'm I'm doing really well. Uh, it's been a, a week which has had a couple of social challenges. Okay, because obviously, you know, there is a pandemic, and obviously, this requires certain safety measures and. One of those safety measures got pushed this week, because I've been back to the gym for the first time in two years. Like you, I'm a bigger guy, and uh, my, my frame reacts very well to that unique subset of exercise, which is, here is a heavy object, pick it up and put it, put it down several times, then repeat. And I actually really like doing that, I always have done, ever since I was corralled at school. I, I didn't run fast enough, so I ended up playing
1: rugby. I imagine that you were a tremendous rugby player. I was a terrible rugby player because I'm blind as a bat, <laughs> but I'm very large. So it's so if if
0: you get me heading in the right direction, the other guy's in trouble. Uh, it it also came in really useful when I did judo because I could never see how big the person I was fighting was, which uh, actually had nothing to do with fighting large intimidating guys, it just meant I felt much better when the five foot three semi professional French judoka who trained with us dribbled me up and down the mat like a basketball for five minutes at a time. Ah he's probably five nine. It's fine. (laughs) Um just as as a quick sidebar, uh like I say, I I played rugby as a kid and I had no choice in this fact. Um and I was introduced to the illusion of choice age twelve because at the start of every term, the PE department in the the first PE lesson would hand us out these little sheets of paper with six options on it. they basically go, mark these off in order of preference, and we'll fit as many people in them as we can. And because I was a trusting child, uh, the first time I went, I really fancy rugby, I'll put that sixth. So they read off all all the names, get to us, and Alistair, you're playing rugby. Oh, maybe there are gaps. And three terms in, I figured out, what was really going on uh a friend of mine who was built similarly to me um put not rugby six times one term <laughs> handed it to the teacher and she just looked at him and shook her head she's like <laughs> Mm-mm. Uh, the next term he wrote it on the back and she was like that's that's hilarious yeah i try <laughs> so you know basically whilst rugby was hell uh and it's the reason why i have a, a very slightly broken nose um, it also introduced me to the fact that lifting heavy objects and putting them down again is actually something my body quite likes. So uh, I started back on that.
1: My uh, my high school football coach is, is one of those people, like, in Kansas, in America, there are still people that uh, live out the lineage of that thing when... Your last name was the name of the job that you had. Uh Uh-huh. So his name was Ken Stonebreaker. Oh, my fucking God. He ran our gym, and he was the football coach, but he was also from three generations of stonebreaker men that were all football coaches so I was like I know like a hundred years ago you were breaking stone outside of a mine somewhere and you just made the modern equivalent but like it's real hard to go up against a football team led by the stonebreaker lineage so
0: <laughs> uh, I mean the that that is some actual Master Sergeant Rex fight master nomenclature you got going on there that is impressive ah but um yeah there's kind of two levels of social challenge to that the first is being being like a a bigger dude Inevitably, part of me goes. I will go out in public, and people will see me and go, "How are you still alive?" <laughs> that, that, that's that's only happened like once in 45 years. Um, and the other thing is, you go into the gym, so obviously you have that thing of everyone will look at me, and I will be the largest person in the room. And my partner Margaret made it always has a really good point that she always likes to use when my my physical confidence thing spikes like this. She goes, "Yeah, we will probably be the two biggest people in the room." And you know what? Everyone else is going to be so busy doing their own stuff that they're not going to, what, they're not even going to notice mm-hmm. we're there. And she's absolutely right. So we've been back twice and um, it went really well, the local gym. And it is literally, it's embarrassingly local, bro. <laughs> We 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 have lived here six years, and we live in a actually quite nice apartment building, which has a few problems. One of which is it's located above the alleyway where one day Bruce Wayne's parents will be killed, <laughs> and sometimes that's it's noisy. I mean, I was woken up by a street sweeper four times this morning, and we're 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 recording this on a Saturday, so you know, I it, it doesn't go so well.
1: Does it ever really clean the street then?
0: Uh, nothing cleans the streets, you know. <laughs> d- d- not 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 here travis bickle drives by from time to time and goes nah man
1: i was gonna go with a uh, rorschach but travis bickle was the better one good 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 <laughs>
0: um and just as we were fixing to move literally the best taco place we've been to in the uk moved in oh, across no. the street it, it gets so much better <laughs> it's a it, it abuts a an art house cinema It is just up from an amazing coffee van that does the best samosas in town. At the other end of the block are one of the two Taco Bells in the country. At the the far side of the block, there is a new standing market for local food stalls, which does amazing bao and chicken strips and cheesecake. And it is like this mildly shitty neighborhood has watched us for the last six years go, this sucks, and they started going, here you go. please stay <laughs> and in the far the far left corner of this block there's the gym so it's literally like a five minute walk and obviously I, there are elements of of modern outside life at the moment that worry me and they worry everybody and you know i was like okay we're gonna do this but let's let's do this smartly and we took a look at it and the gym has the kind of live monitoring of how many people are in there and we have a ceiling And if the amount of people in there is above that ceiling, which is about 25, we don't go. If it's below that ceiling, we do. And at the moment, I feel more comfortable wearing a mask while I'm working out. which So the bottom of my face has a very cool kind of cyberpunk gothy vibe, which Megan would be very proud of, I'm sure. And we go lift heavy objects and put them down. And the first time, sucked. Absolutely sucked. And then four hours afterwards, I was sitting at home, my right arm twitching slightly, and and my, my body started going, that felt nice. <laughs> Do that again soon. I hate you. No, you don't. Not really. So we're working on a schedule where we're going to kind of try and go two, three times a week, and it's all connected to. There's a really, really good, absolute bare basics beginner weight program. Uh, I believe called Lift Off, which has been put together. Uh, by a female weight trainer, which is fantastic, and basically does that whole. Here are very small amounts of reps with very small increases in weight, and if you stick to this for 12 weeks, you will see a measurable distance, the difference. And and I do. Uh, I mean, about four weeks ago, we're about 10 weeks in to it as we speak. And about four weeks ago, we took delivery of a bag of flour because we do a lot of baking. And the first time we got this bag of flour was about 18 months ago, and I was in the middle of a couple of health things anyway. Wow. So, you know, dragging up the building did not feel nice and <laughs> didn't feel nice this time. But I also didn't stop three times in, in a three minute walk. So there's a measurable increase. So, yeah, going back to the gym has been good. It's been intimidating and it will continue to be intimidating for a while. But I'm working through it.
1: I think I can cap it with just the maybe the best thing I've ever heard about doing this sort of process. uh From a friend of mine, a female comic in Los Angeles, and a decade ago, she started like working out and was doing burpees and and going to all the training classes, and about six months in was like, you know what, I I went in with this idea of like, I need to do this because I need to finally look like the other women look like to make it in Los Angeles, and then she was like... No, I, I'm never going to sh- change the shape of my body. I'm in my mid-30s. <laughs> this will always sort of look like this. But what if I was also strong? Yes. Like, that's the much more important thing. Like, what if I was strong? Like, I don't really need to care about this, but, like, I if I was strong, like, that's all I want. Like, <laughs> I want to be able to carry the thing up several flights of stairs without stopping. Like, that's much more important to me emotionally and physically than you know, going down two dress sizes. And I was like, that, that, that sticks in my mind every time I'm, I'm thinking about gym time. I'm like, right, uh, don't go in here trying to uh, get cheekbones that you don't have. Uh, <laughs> let's just get strong.
0: Exactly. There's a fantastic TikTok that, that Marguerite found about six months ago. The audio for which is, I do not want to be strong like man who is pretty. I want to be strong like a bitch who fights bear in the woods. <laughs> and and I, I, I feel like that that's kind of a North Star, you know? That's kind of something to steer towards.
1: Do you have a carrying into the void story for us today?
0: Uh, yes. Yes, I do. And um, it continues the, the motif established by my previous episode of, to quote, the much, much missed, much respected Dr. Egon Spengler, spores, molds, and fungus. Yes. Yes. Basically, I would like to talk to you today about Physarum polycephalum, uh, which I choose to believe likes to say poly to to her friends. (laughs) It is a fascinating and, frankly, terrifying mold. And to be clear, this thing is brainless. It is a unicellular organism, and it has been researched up and down, moving, feeding, organizing itself, and this is the one that breaks me into transmitting knowledge to other slime molds. Okay,
1: okay. That's not that's not good. That's not good. Let's keep going.
0: Oh yeah. Uh this thing is very clever. And basically people aren't quite sure how or why. And when I was looking around for this, one of the things which came up was that there is a growing amount of research into how this is being used as an information transmission medium. And, you know, last time we touched briefly on uh, Annihilation, the the movie of the Jeff Vandermeer novel. And that's basically this, you know, the idea of a fungal computer of a mold, which is an information transmission medium, is as fascinating as it is, let's face it, squicky. Now the really good news, it's in space. There is a big chunk of this thing which was moved on purpose to the International Space Station a little while ago because they wanted to take a look at it. I'm like, i uh, oh God, really? Okay, uh, because they, they wanted to take a look to see how it reacts in zero gravity. It is fascinating because, like I say, there is absolutely nothing that this thing is part of that you would look at and go, well, obviously, that's a standard intelligent organism. And yet, here it is, moving and persisting and learning. And I I actually tie this very strongly to one of the things which has been an anchor for me, spending 15 years working in in horror and dark fiction. Um, And it's uh, the old William Friedkin quote about true horror is seeing something approach. And... The evolution of that, to me, which is a moment towards the end of the really very good uh, movie adaptation of Stephen King's The Mist, where, as the surviving characters are running like hell, they pull away from the store where people have been corralled for a long period of time, and suddenly there is a thump, like an existential thump. And the car lifts a little bit, and they stop, and they look out through the mist. And after a second, this obscenely vast creature this thing must be two three thousand feet tall walks out of the mist and across their path of travel and vanishes again and the only reason they survive is because they aren't directly under it it is so large it could destroy them and not notice and that moment that sense of something impossible and vast brushing up against you is something i pursue through dark fiction because i love how it feels And it ties into my teenage interest in parapsychology, ties into dark fiction, it ties into an awful lot of the compassionate elements of what we do here. I really, really like that. And for me, this mold is absolutely in that frame of mind. It is a intelligence we do not understand, but it's one we share a planet with. So I simultaneously am really interested in the research for it and very much hope they have Kurt Russell on speed dial. Now the 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 real kicker in all of this and th- this is this kind of ties into my caring into the void moment um like i say this thing right now is uh, or certainly a few months ago there was a chunk of this thing on the international space station to reuse a joke from last time i've seen that movie yeah it it's called life it is part of um, Ryan reynolds repaying his wookiee life debt to the dead, to the, the, the deadpool <laughs> scriptwriters if you haven't seen it Um, It is actually pretty fun. It's basically Alien with a really high-end modern cast in low-Earth orbit. As Ryan Reynolds, Rebecca Ferguson, and um, the male Gyllenhaal, amongst other people, uh, fight this. Basically, initially successfully receive a biological sample from Mars, which they then begin to culture. And one of the really fun things about it is this is a movie which, 15 minutes in, actually has the, is this not dumb are we all not about to get horribly killed moment? And they explain this is why it's happening on the ISS and not on the ground. (laughs) And then it spends the remaining hour and a half going, yeah, that's not really going to cut it either, chief, (laughs) as this thing basically turns into a murderous booger and proceeds to do an awful lot of killing at them. Now, I mention all of this here, firstly, because it has really strong thematic resonance, like I say, with the actual scientific research. And secondly, because the director of life also currently has a movie in theatres as we record this. And that movie is Morbius the Living Yes, (laughs) And that brings me to my carrying into the void moment. There are lines we are told we cannot cross. There are environments we are told we cannot exist in. And a lot of the time, those environments are the ones we are required to exist in. The definition of toxic, the definition of dangerous changes constantly and in recent years has expanded its borders far beyond what any of us are comfortable with or have any choice in engaging with, shall we say. But the truth of the matter is this, regardless of how those boundaries expand, regardless of just how often we are called upon to do things we do not want to do, to do things that frighten us, that push us so far outside our comfort zone, it becomes a single twinkle of light in what seems like an inescapable void. The truth is this. We can survive. We can overcome what confronts us. We can overcome what threatens to overwhelm us. We can do and move past very nearly everything. Even working with Jared uh, later.
1: <laughs> can we, though?
0: <laughs> and suddenly, all I can think of is Jeff Goldblum going, You were so focused on whether you could, you didn't think about if you should. You know?
1: Uh, I imagine him saying, uh, You know, uh, Ryan Reynolds' life f- finds a way. <laughs> So this week I got a story for us here on uh, a gas cloud in outer space that has a heartbeat. Oh my God. Yeah, here we go on the heartbeat cloud. Uh, so <laughs> scientists found uh, a mysterious heartbeat coming from a cosmic gas cloud. The cloud, which is otherwise unremarkable, which feels like a dick note. <laughs> right? This plain Jane of a cloud. This one that couldn't possibly get a date. <laughs> it's beating along with a rhythm of a neighboring black hole. So the two seem to be connected to each other, which this starts to feel like a Jonathan Colton song at some point. Um, it is not clear how the gamma ray heartbeat could be connected to the black hole which is a hundred light years away and they've been looking at 10 years of data from one of nasa's space telescopes it's a system of fifteen thousand light years away from us uh and it includes a giant star that is about 30 times the mass of our sun along with this black hole so there's a giant point of light uh a gas cloud and a black hole and they're all sort of orbiting each other together and, like, doing a little fun dance of uh, of sharing a heartbeat. Uh, every 13 days, the black hole and the star orbit around each other. As they do so, the black hole sucks material from the giant star. It winds up storing this away for about 160 days, and then it goes right back into the dance. Um, but, like... As much as that is happening, it appears that the gas cloud is getting something back through a period of like gravitational jets. Like, they, they don't really have their finger on a lot of this. They're like, this is very far away and it is very weird to us. And we don't see this anywhere else. And we don't have the people to look into it, but like, we're trying. Like, it seems very strange. Um, so, here's the carrying into the void to go along with that one the steady pace. The ethereal rhythm, through the skies it echoes, spreading into the sources of light, seeping into the scars between the night. But where does it come from? Where is your heart? It orbits a black hole, and that black hole orbits you. To the observers, it doesn't make sense. Maybe the only way they process is to think that the hole must be pulling what it wants from you. It just takes and takes and takes. But the smartest watchers point out how that special satellite is getting just as much from you as you are from it, and that's why you both keep dancing. That's why you share this secret language. Where is your heart? At the point in between you and your dance partner, anyone looking hard enough can see why the song never changes. That's beautiful. Oh, shucks! (laughs) That is absolutely beautiful. I love that. I like it too. Like, uh, I don't know. Gas cloud with heartbeat. Like, I, I feel like that's my dating profile. <laughs> it's, it's, it's not a gym looking for my Pam. It's a gas cloud looking for my black hole.
0: And now someone has written that
1: story somewhere. That's wonderful. Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> my, my office fan fiction, but it's all set with celestial beings. <laughs> Do you have any, uh, any self-care into the void this week Because we run away from the hypothetical we've created that I hope no one's gotten
0: into? <laughs> yeah, I, I I do. And I have somehow found even more of a broader take than water. It's good. <laughs> About halfway through last year, I, I finished what could possibly be described as an extended tour of duty as a book award judge. Um, I It was a very deliberate choice. I basically wanted to do it because it was a means of simultaneously kind of leveling up as a writer as you're forced to kind of read lots of very wildly different styles and also leveling up as a critic, being able to understand what I was, you know, reading and why it worked and why it didn't. Sure. And also just to give something something back. I mean, genre fiction is an engine powered by the blood and sweat of volunteers. And at that point in my life, I was fully prepared to, you know, devote a little blood and sweat. I was very glad that that period in my life stopped for two reasons. Firstly, we literally got about a quarter of the apartment back. (laughs) oh, dude, I think we might have photos. I'll send them to you if we do. Working for two or three awards for a couple of years meant I got a physical copy of basically every genre fiction book that was published in the UK for those two or three years. Now... The one side of that is it's great because I love getting posts and I love books. So hooray. The other side of that is I had about 500 books in the house, which we couldn't do anything with. And this is when lockdown was at its absolute height. So, you know, the local library was closed, so we couldn't donate to it. Most of the non-essential shops were closed, all that kind of stuff.
1: Also, you must have had a lot of, like, ARCs as well, right, too, that you just have to throw away. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely.
0: So so, so basically, we use it as cladding. Uh, We we put it against the wall of the apartment that faces the outside world, and it actually kept the place slightly warmer for a while. Um, But then as things (laughs) came back up for a little bit last year, we realized we really wanted that space back. And at this point, um, I got friendly with one of the other judges on one of these awards who is an academic who uh, who actually runs the Liverpool University Science Fiction Collection. So I was able to literally go, Phoenix, yeah, do you want like 700 books? yes so we had a trip which took us out that way um later that year and we were able to drop them them all off and that were these books are all in this library now and they're they're going to cause the best kind of trouble for so many people when they pick them up and it changes their lives and I, I i fucking love that that's weirdly that's not actually my, my self-care into the void my self-care into the void is it took about six weeks after that for me to you know have my end of star trek three your name is Jim moment with books where I was literally walking past one of the shelves in the in the apartment and I looked at something and went I I I quite want to read that I can (laughs) oh my god and I have enjoyed reading more in the eight months since I finished my tour as a judge than I ever have before so yeah books they're great hard recommend
1: I've recently wrapped up a multi-year stint as producing for some uh, very big um, political podcasts in America. Um, And one was about sort of addiction and the other is about the black experience in America. And so uh, because of, of how important and big they were. Absolutely everyone wanted to send me their books. So there was the pile during pandemic that grew uh, to take over a whole side of of the house uh, that was either about addiction or racism. Uh, And it became the sort of thing that was like, I I can't wait. I've read them. I've taken what I'm supposed to. I've done the work, but like, it's just uh, a tower of sadness. I would have preferred the sci-fi thing. Like it's important to be on top of, Becoming anti racist and, and, and improving yourself as a person, but also, like, there was sincerely a tower. I maybe 20 different books in the middle that was just different books about the corruption of a police force, each one being about a different city in America. Oh, there's man. Baltimore, his Philadelphia. I was just like, ah, oh, it's just, it's just, yes, no more. Defund the police. I don't know. Let's move on. Like, I, we all agree on this. We we don't need more examples.
0: Oh, that sounds grim.
1: But also, I didn't realize that you couldn't resell ARCs and that I should just get rid of them. But, <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, my self-care into the void this week is that uh, at our office, I have instituted a policy where you can bring your pets in. And we all have cats. So, we have a uh a nice large meeting room where uh when you bring your cat in cat gets to be in that room we close the door maybe we bring a few in that day we set up water bowls and a little toilet box in the corner and they all hang out and play and get to meet everyone it's great for them it's great for us they're my favorite days in the world but the big takeaway from it uh is just how much joy it brings and how much better we all work, despite the constant interruptions of a torty that keeps going, meh, meh, meh. And you're like, yes, what are you asking for? Uh, And and I think the takeaway from it that is a good self-care thing is that um, I should really do a better job of making sure that wherever I go, especially if it is a place where I'm doing things that are not innately positive or good for my mental health, wherever you're going take something from home with you that makes you have joy obviously can't always be a cat even though i have a good cat backpack um but like i don't know i i i realize that like in looking back my favorite vacations are ones where i bring a book uh that i'm working through like it's not the biggest deal but having that to turn to when when you know, want to I used to be much better at bringing music with me back when it was the iPod days and I was like okay I'm gonna ride the train and I'm gonna listen to this um yeah I don't know uh, there there is something about finding the things that bring you joy especially the small things and yes. just uh, taking them with you I have I have a little uh, Rubik's cube that is the Hellraiser puzzle box
0: oh it just brilliant. sort
1: of sat on the edge of my desk for like a year and I, I was just like it's a fun decoration. And then for the first time in my life, I actually started trying to solve a Rubik's Cube, never had any interest in it. And now, like, just uh, playing around with that, like, 10 minutes a day, I'm like, I'm not getting any closer to solving this. But it feels really nice to be, like, doing a little puzzle and working with my hands for a second before I go back to writing about bad politicians. So I I don't know. That's the uh, self-care advice. Take a Take a little trinket. Take some little thing you can touch or feel or even put in your heart and think about with you where you go. That's brilliant. I love that. What do you got for sharing into the void this week? I have one of my favorite series of books. Because did I mention? Books are great. We, we did both sound like we were very angry at books there. Like, ah, this whole side of my house. Jesus Christ. Fucking books. <laughs> Fucking books. That's actually the Jordan shirt we need. <laughs> Fucking books. I want to make sure it, it, it grabs your accent as well. Fucking fucking books. <laughs> um I've I've been
0: really enjoying Slow Horses by Mick Heron recently. Uh this is a fantastic series of novels. There's a couple of novellas and there's like a miniature side series of books as well. Uh about the place you go, the place you are stationed if you are an MI5 agent who has fucked all the way up. And uh <laughs> that is um a place called slough house and Slough house is this dreadful like feral cigarette green office above bins from the local restaurant run by jackson lamb jackson lamb is an mi5 veteran who has made entirely of flatulence and rage and jackson (laughs) is basically the warder for this group of gifted misfits who have screwed up and um the first book slow horses follows a guy called river cartwright and river is a career spy his parents were left-wing hippies his granddad was basically a john le Carré character and so he rebelled all the way back into the establishment and he epically screws up in a very unusual way and it makes him bloody furious because he's been raised to believe he is the hero of the story and so instead he's sentenced to Slough house
1: Oh, anything with protagonist syndrome, absolutely. Hook hook it into my veins. Right?
0: He's sentenced to slough house, immediately starts trying to dig his way out. And then the worst possible thing happens, which is he finds a way to do it. And these are incredibly grounded and grubby and very very funny books because which don't do that kind of well you know no one here is is really broken they all are they have all screwed up in provable ways and they just have to deal with it move on and the tv adaptation of the first book has just hit apple tv and there are two performances in there which are blowing my mind the most obvious one is gary oldman as jackson lamb who just is the living definition of human venom. I have never heard anyone put exo- more exhausted bile behind the line, all right, come on, pillocks, as he tries to corral his spies to go off and do a thing. And a guy called Jack Loudon. Jack Loudon is best known in this country, as playing Paige's brother in Fighting With My Family, the biopic about <laughs> Paige, the WWE star, who which was also, she was played by Florence Pugh, who's gone Stella, And Loudon has been one of these guys who's just turned in really good, really interesting work. And as River Cartwright, he's kind of blowing my mind because he has incredible Simon Pegg energy. He seeds like <laughs> no one I've ever seen before. He's a guy who could walk into a room, keep completely still, and you just go, oh, he mad. Oh, he big mad. <laughs> that man is angry. There's a recurrent gag through the first episode where Lam's office is on the top floor of Slough House, and he summons them by pounding on the floor until someone comes up. And the biggest laugh in the episode is, is River walks in, looks at him, sighs deeply, and just goes, you thumped. <laughs> and Loudon is he—he he conveys so beautifully that kind of "I am the hero and no one, no one has noticed." And this is what the fuck kind of approach, so <laughs> beautifully. Uh, it's a really good show. They're great books, and hopefully, it's going to get picked up. And hopefully, as well, it's not going to end up in that weird Ted Lasso space where it goes so big that Apple go, "Actually, we don't want any other network to have this," and it will arrive on. on on other networks very shortly
1: but it is out
0: yes i think there's seven books in the series there's a couple of novellas there are a couple of books which deal with characters who show up in the series and run parallel and the tv series oh
1: i i meant the uh show yeah Yeah.
0: as as we're recording three episodes are out on apple tv now
1: wonderful wonderful yeah, you've. That's what I'm doing as soon as we hang up. Oh my god! <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, similarly, I went uh, TV route. Uh, our flag means death. Hey! I don't think I need to say anything more than that. It is a pirate show about what if somebody that had a level of Ted Lasso toxic positivity <laughs> <laughs> ran a ship, uh, like a mid level manager. It's basically The Office uh, with a dandy uh, instead of Michael Scott, uh, and and I'm constantly amazed by. <laughs> By how effective it is at doing that, and like I don't know, in the first episode, everyone sort of wants to kill him in mutiny on the ship, but they also love when he does uh, story time at night to help them get sleep. So I don't know, huge fan of it. <laughs> I know, I know that everyone in our orbit is too. So like, our flag means death. Uh, seek it out. Uh, it it uh, seems to be something that we all agree upon. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, okay, why don't you take us out? Sure.
0: Um, if you like the show, please, if you can, leave a review and do hit the back catalogue because every episode of this show is like that Wayne and Forrest Gump about life being like a box of chocolates just without the right wing apologia. <laughs> every episode really is very, very good. Um, we'll have more episodes for you real soon. And if you can, please talk about it because we
1: love talking about it and we love talking to you. I'm Brock uh, Wilbur, at Brock Wilbur on all things. Where can people find you?
0: Uh, I'm Alistair Stewart, and you can find me on Twitter at Alistair Stewart.
1: And can they keep finding you on this show? This is your second episode. Do you like it still? Oh, I'm, I'm here for the long run. I love this. <laughs> I was worried I was going to hit stop on recording and you'd be like, you know, that I, I have much more important things to do. <laughs> this is great. Peace
0: out. I'm done. No, I, 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 I've had the time of my life. I can't wait to record again.
1: Welcome to a real-time audio recording of imposter Syndrome. <laughs> I think that that's what what all the hosts bring to this each and every week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that one was too real. All right, why don't you take us out here? Uh, and remember,
0: keep your hearts dark and true, and your teeth sharp and many. And we'll see you next time in the void. Bye, 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 bye! <laughs>